Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Amanda Valentine is the co-host of The Amanda and Jesse Show, which airs on Q102's sister station, B105. Her listeners know her as funny, authentic, and always willing to go there. She's also let her listeners in on her incredibly personal weight loss journey. After years of struggling with her weight, dieting and losing weight and getting it back again and losing weight and getting it back again, she's lost 117 pounds and kept it off. She's going to talk about how she did it and so much more. Amanda Valentine is our person of interest coming up next after the break. And now, person of interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back to Person of Interest, where today we're talking with Amanda Valentine, the co-host of the Amanda and Jesse show, which airs on our sister station just down the hall from us at B105. Truth be told, I don't know her well, or at least I didn't, until I sat down with her today. Even though we work in the same building, we work different hours, and we have maybe had one or two very brief conversations in the hallway since she started at B105 three and a half years ago. But to her fans, she is hilarious, often fearless, and always real. And as I mentioned at the top, she's also known for publicly burying her soul throughout the course of an incredibly personal weight loss journey. And that is the main reason why Natalie Jones suggested that I invite her to sit down and share her story here on Person of Interest. But to talk about something so personal with someone I don't know that well, it kind of helps to get to know them first. So that's what we did. We sat down and we had a conversation. Amanda Valentine is this week's person of interest. I grew up in a small town, uh, Millstadt, Illinois, uh, which is about a half hour outside of downtown St. Louis. But you wouldn't know that you were that close to a major city. It was like 2,700 people, one blinking light in the middle of town at a four-way. They still don't have a stoplight. Um, And... Too small for a high school. I had to go to high school in Belleville, Illinois. And how far was that? Um, seven miles. So, but it was a bigger town. So I went from my uh, where I graduated eighth grade because we didn't have a middle school at the time, which they have a middle school now in Millstadt. But I went from a graduating class in eighth grade of sixty people to my graduating class in high school was over six hundred. So it was like kind of a culture shock of going from my tiny town and all these kids that know you know intimately too you're going into just a sea of people and it was like a college campus in high school which it actually literally now is a college campus i hated high school though but (laughs) i was excited to go at the time (laughs) is your family still live there yeah well they moved my mom moved to um a suburb of st louis but most of my family still lives in illinois do you have any brothers or sisters yeah i have a younger brother he's five years younger than me and he still lives with my mom are you guys tight? No, no, not at all. No, we're your, very, very opposite. Your, like, bro- your brother or your your whole family? My whole family, I'm not really close with at all. Um, my brother, no, like the interaction me and my brother have is we text each other on e- on each other's birthdays and say happy birthday, and then I see him whenever I go home. But that's which is maybe like now that I live five hours away, like once a year. Um, but. I mean, we're just very different. He's really into like gaming and like Xbox and like literally lives in my mom's basement and um, just got his driver's license like two years ago. And I've been like, I like 
couldn't wait to move out. I like bounced the second I could and have moved all over the country. So we're we're just kind of opposites. Yeah, like a. I hate to use this phrase because I've used it. It seems to be my new word now. But did you have a, a wanderlust to get out of that small town and go to a big city just because you were looking for something more exciting? What What do you think it was that inspired that? Well, I mean, I think it was a, a couple things. One, mostly radio. That's like what I've always wanted to do. Like I uh, grew up listening to this morning show that I just like loved them and I just loved radio. What I mean, city was that? St. Louis? It was St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I always had like a Walkman on, I mean, I could, I was such a dork that I could just flip through all the radio stations as a kid in St. Louis and tell you what radio station it was by what commercials were playing. Really? Oh yeah. Just such a radio nerd. And so, um, I just always loved radio and knew I wanted to be in it. What do you think attracted you to it? You think it was the morning show or was there some other aspect of radio that attracted you to it? Um, Well, I originally started listening to for music. And this is, again, I started really like obsessing over listening to the radio in third grade and I would listen to an oldie station. So I didn't even listen to the DJs or whatever. I'd listen to, you know, the Beach Boys, um, which was an odd choice. Um, But then when I, I really like kind of attached myself to this morning show, I think it was a feeling of like they were my friends. Like I felt like a very like just connection. Like I, they made me laugh and I felt like I knew who they were. And I, I was just really attracted to um, kind of being a stranger, but kind of having like this weird kind of friendship peek into somebody's life. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Yeah. Uh, you and I share that. I think that's what ultimately attracted me to the business too. And this was before the internet. So there was a certain... There was a certain amount of anonymity. I think that's what I liked about radio is it was a way to connect and communicate with people, but in sort of a, an anonymous way. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm like, I couldn't even really outside of that tell you. I just, I don't know. I just felt drawn to radio. Like it felt like it's what I had to do. What was the morning show? Uh, the morning show is called Steve in DC. Oh yeah. And I met them technically once and I, begged my mom to take me to they had a remote which is so funny now to look at it back now as much as i know about radio that they were at a carpet store and they were finally um on the east side in illinois where i was at this carpet store which was still like a half hour away from my house and i like begged my mom to take me to this stupid carpet store to meet them and i have pictures i have like the pictures at home that i met them and of that occasion oh yeah I just took pictures of them. I'm not in them. And I was probably like, I don't know, like 11 or 12. And um, they had these CDs, like their best of CDs. They were called damn CDs. And I bought one of those and I thought it was so cool. And they were autographing headshots, hashtag the 90s. And um, <laughs> I still have, I framed it and I had it hanging in my bedroom. I still have it. And so um, I was like, just like geeked out about them. Like for Christmas, like all I wanted was like a Stephen DC sweatshirt. Like I was just such a dork. <laughs> Are they still on the air? No, they, no. they've they split up and Steve is like in Tuscaloosa, I think. And I don't know whatever happened to DC. Like, Have you ever had an opportunity to tell them the impact that they that they had on you? Um, I did a little bit um, on Facebook. I friended Steve a couple of years ago and um, I was just like, hey, I used to listen to you and I'm in radio now. And I thought that was pretty cool. But I didn't tell them the story was when I first started working part-time my first paid job in radio was part-time in st louis and it was a, for a company that owned one of the stations they were on and i got hired as a board op so just, just running remotes and they were doing a remote and um 
I was their board op for it and they didn't know me and I was just back in the studio and they were like, I don't know, they're kind of divas with me. Like they were just kind of like bossing me around and I'm like, oh, they're like, I was like, I was like shaking so excited. I got to run the board for them and they weren't there. They couldn't see me and I was just kind of bummed out that like, you know, they were kind of D-bags about it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm never going to be that way. And I think that taught me good lessons because I love them so much that I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, like, why would they treat me like crap? You, you know understood I mean? the impact that that can have on a fan. Yeah. When you're less than what they expect you to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but they didn't. It's not like we were face to face. And it's not like they were overly mean or anything like that. It was just kind of like this just kind of attitude of like you're beneath me sort of attitude. Kind of aloof. Yeah. And for, for me, I was like, oh, my God, I've made it. You know what I mean? Like we were just yeah. inside to them. They're like oh, a part time board op. And you're like, hey, what is it? We're, <laughs> the, we're the same club here. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> we get paid by the same company. Yeah. I'm like, I was just so jazzed. But I feel like and, you know, and I obviously like still attribute a lot of inspiration for my career to them. So I'm not like saying this is a knock on them, but I felt like it gave me a good lesson of just like, you know what? I like I would never treat somebody that way that's trying to like begin their career or just, you know, just because they're part time or just because they're running a board or, or whatever, they kind of treat them that way. Cause you just never know what their background is or their story is. And they had no idea that this girl that like, idolized them for years was back in the studio running their remote at a car wash or whatever they were at. I think that takes self-awareness though, what you're talking about, because for someone like me, I give off that impression without even trying to. And it has a lot to do with just me being socially awkward and not always knowing how to relate to people that they misunderstand me. And I think I do come sometimes come off as cool and aloof. I I remember Molly Watson said, you know, the first time that she ever met me, she said, I, I, I came off as standoffish to her and it was, I don't remember the occasion and I promise it was never my intention. And I felt horrible when she told me that years and years later, but it so goes to how comfortable you are in your own skin. And I just never really have been. And I think that's part of it. So for you to be aware of that and make an effort, I think is remarkable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I so much, I mean, that also ties into, I'm sure we'll get into like my weight loss journey and stuff like that and being comfortable in your own skin of like, I felt that I would felt so uncomfortable my own skin for so long that I feel like that I'm so much better now at expressing myself than I ever was before. Um, and, and I definitely, and I think, I mean, we work together, but we don't really interact that much together. But I, I would guess that you would probably assume that I'm an extrovert. I think a lot of people assume that I am because I'm kind of like nuts and will try anything. <laughs> my impression weird. of you, if you want to know, my impression of you was before I ever heard or saw you in social media or on the radio. Yeah. You seem to me to be very quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I may be wrong. But I got a sense that you were slightly uncomfortable in your own skin because whenever I would make eye contact with you, you tended to look the other way. Uh, and so I always made it a point to say, hi, Amanda. And uh, and you were always nice and you were never rude. You were always very polite. And then I would see you do these crazy things on social media and I would hear about it on the radio and just how open and candid you were. But in the hallways, you did strike me as quieter. But then again, I don't have the relationship with you that you have with other people in the building yeah well i would just say probably i think with listeners would guess that i'm super yeah because they see the social media what they see yeah but i mean i'm very introverted like very quiet like 
I mean, I've gotten a lot better about that. Again, like the the losing the weight and getting the self confidence has hel- helped with that a lot. But I mean, I was I mean, when I was a kid, I wouldn't I would just have an anxiety attack about even answering the phone. Like I never was the person that raised my hand. Like even now, like I don't I hate big crowds. Right. Um, unless I like have to work, like you know, yeah. and then it, you snap into a different mindset. There goes a radio brain, and there's also just you know, if I'm going to Riverbend for work versus going to Riverbend for personal, personal, I'm hiding in the shadows. Right. I don't like, uh, like in, and the thing is like, I don't want to seem like I don't want to talk to people, but like, I just like, even my neighbors, I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to, I just freak out. Like I'll drive around the block and wait for him to go inside. So I don't have to talk to him. Not because I dislike him. It's just, it gives me anxiety. I've done that. And yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like I don't want to say the wrong thing. And yeah, I just, I, I've, and I think that most people that, Probably for both of us that you hear, you you know, you have this on, on air presence, you're on the radio, you must be like life of the party. And in, in some instances, I can be in other ways. It's like, oh, my God, no, I don't want to talk. <laughs> you know what I think? I think for me, it's just a disdain for surface talk because I'm so bad at it. It's not that I'm above surface talk. I'm just bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's straight. I, mean, I but guess this goes back to your childhood, though, huh? Oh yeah, I've uh, I was always very introvert, extremely shy. I mean, with my core group of friends, I was. I mean, I mean, I felt like you know, like myself, where I am kind of. I'm like totally silly, goofy, inappropriate, trucker mouth. Um, you know, like I'll try anything, whatever. Woo! And all my friends just that's how they knew me. But like you put me outside of my friend group, it would just I would just lock up. Like I felt paralyzed. And then they would introduce me to people like, this is Amanda. She's hilarious. And then I would feel all this pressure that I had to be funny. And then I would just say nothing. And then I'd be like, now this person thinks I'm a total loser. And then I would have anxiety about that. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) So what kind of things were you into as a kid? Um, Radio. (laughs) Um, I was I was in band. Um, I played the saxophone. Um, But I wouldn't really say I was really into it. I would just like, I don't know. I just kind of did it. But I did it forever. And I mostly stayed in band through high school to avoid PE, um, which is so funny now because I'm like such a like workout freak. But like I, I avoided um, PE all four years of high school by taking extra music classes just so I wouldn't have to go to gym. And you didn't want to go to gym. Why? Um, well, I didn't want to exercise. I didn't want to change my clothes in front of other people. When I was in grade school, I would be the only person that would go change my clothes in the bathroom stall and they all made fun of me. Um, but they would have made fun of me more if I would have had to change my clothes in front of them. So, I mean, cause I've always been like, you know, a fat kid, like ever since I was six. So, I mean, it was just, I just hated it. And is that why you think that's why you had a lot of anxiety yeah, probably. Outside of your close circle of friends. You yeah. Think that was a part of it. Yeah, I was just feeling uncomfortable, kind of being picked on. Um, and then, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really have a, a, a super great support system. It's not like a, my family were like great cheerleaders or anything for anything. So, um, yeah, and then like, you know, there's like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess if I had to self-analyze, I'd say the weight had a lot to do with it. I just felt, yeah, that I... I just felt like a prisoner in my own body, sort of. And that if I spoke up, people would just make fun of me. There would do stuff I would do, too, because of my weight. Like, I wouldn't put on, like, nail polish because I didn't want to attract attention to myself. I felt like people would be like, oh, Amanda's trying to be cute. Nice try. 
And not that anybody said that to me. That's just how I felt. I wouldn't wear cute clothes. I dressed, I was a total tomboy, especially in high school. I wore like men's t-shirts. Um, and I wouldn't go to, st- like even during summer, then we had like a little ice cream shop in my hometown and I wouldn't, I wanted to go because kids were going and I wouldn't because I'm afraid, I was so afraid of kids would be like, oh, of course, Fat Amanda's at the ice cream shop. Did you get that a lot? Um, I didn't. It was a lot of it was me just torturing myself. Like I had, you know, I had some, you know, comments to me and people picked on me, but it was like never like insane. Um, but it was mostly just me just in my own head torturing myself. Isn't that fascinating? Just like the narratives we create in our head about oh, yeah. what other people are thinking about us. Yeah. And so you can't, I mean, I've obviously gotten better about it and you do as an adult, you kind of learn more, but it's like, it never goes better? away. How do you get better about it? I did feel, you go to therapy? I did not go to therapy. God, I probably should. You've never gone to therapy? No. Do you have any interest? Um, I mean, if it were cheaper. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't, if our health insurance didn't suck so hard. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I probably should. I just feel like a lot of the stuff too, and this was also like a turning point with like losing weight. I felt like, I'm like, why am I doing this stuff for other people? I felt like I was so just not being me. Like I felt like. I, there was this person inside of me that I wasn't allowing myself to be because I felt judgment from other people. And I'm like, why? I'm, I'm like, you know, and I like seriously like chopped off all my hair and dyed it black and red. And I'm like, I'm going to do what I want. Like, look at me if you want. I don't care anymore. Um, you know, I put on nail polish every day. And, and how, old were, how old were you when this started happening? This happened, this, I'd say this 2011. Oh, so not that long ago. No, and I or, or right around that time is when I was just really more like eff it because I just got out of a really horrible work situation. I it was like a total down point in my life. Like um, as far as career goes, it was terrible. I was for the first time ever. I'm like, I have to quit radio. I can't do this anymore. I just like worked with people that like were awful to me. It was an awful situation. How were they I, like there was emotional abuse? They would criticize yeah, oh, your yeah. skills on the job. They would criticize you personally. All of the above. And it was just kind of um, they would take all of my ideas and take credit for everything. What was the job? I mean, if you don't want to be specific about the call yeah. letters or whatever, I understand that. But can you tell me like what the job? What was this a morning show situation? Was It this- was actually. Well, I don't want to get into too many details. Understood. <laughs> It was a show that I was uh, that I, I joined where the the initial conversation was like, "Hey, you're going to start off off the air," and yeah, I had been on the air for like ever, um, and I've done a, a million morning shows, and they're like, "You're going to start off off the air, but then we're going to slow you work you onto the air because they had not had a female on the air with them before." Cool. So that's what uh, the understanding was, and then uh, I kind of like put the whole situation this way: is that when somebody's like got a new year's resolution and they're like, I'm, this is the year I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. Woo. And then you're like all gung ho for like two months and you're down with the idea. And then you're like, yeah, it sucks. I don't want this anymore. That's sure. how kind of how this show felt about me. I feel it was like, Oh, we're all gung ho. The, the person that hired me is like, I need you to kick them out of their comfort zone. They're just in ruts and they were all down for it. And I got all these crazy ideas and, and they were cool with it. And then it was like, now, no, we don't. That's not how we do things around here. Gotcha. Um, and I'm like, but that's not what I was hired for. I'm trying to do what I'm hired for. And so the person that hired me, my boss was like, do this stuff. And then the show is like, sit down, shut up. Don't tell me what to do. 
um, you do your job, you go in the other room and they never let me on the air. And so they're like, you just go answer phone calls. Okay. And then, then I would still come up with so much of their content and they would take credit for it, which I'm very sensitive to that. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, I'm all for help. I'm like, we're all doing this as a team effort, right? Don't run away with the stuff that I come up with and raise a flag as if you came up with it and you, you know, take all the credit. That's not cool. Right. So it was just a bad situation. There's, they just like, I don't know. I just, eh. How long did you tolerate that before you were able to get out? I was there a year and a half and it was just like to the point there too. Um, I was just really unhappy with where I was, what, where I was at. I was making such crap money and struggling and um, I had moved there for this job and I was just, so I would come home and just like power eat. Like I would eat to the point of pain and binge eat. And like, I mean, I was doing the thing. I would order two large pizzas for myself while my husband wasn't home and act like whenever I answered the door for the delivery guy, like, oh yeah, there's act like I had other people in the apartment. Like it wasn't just for one me. One second guys, the pizza guy's here. Hang on. Yeah. Like I, legit do that. And then it's funny power down both pizzas till I mean, it hurt. Like I would eat like on your own, on my own to eat just is like, and I would eat to the point of pain and I didn't want to have any leftovers. And then I would hide like, well, the pizza boxes I couldn't hide those that I actually take down to the dumpster. But like when I would go, I would hit several drive throughs and get like, you know, I would get a value meal at Wendy's and a McDonald's, come home, power them down and then be too lazy to go downstairs. because We lived on the third floor to the dumpster. So I, I had a hiding spot that I would hide all my trash. So my husband wouldn't know that I was like going and because you'd be like, what, how, what did you eat all this? You so know what I mean? so what was driving the, the the two large pizzas and the multiple happy meals? It just made me feel better in that moment. I've always been kind of an emotional eater of like it's celebrate, yay, food, or I feel horrible. Oh, so I, I not wouldn't... just when you were feeling bad. It was a way of celebrating oh, too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so but like but I wouldn't eat to the point of pain for celebration. But like um the 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 spot that I was in, it was just that I felt that I don't, it just made me, it was, I guess it was a distraction that I wouldn't think about everything that was going on. I would just focus on like the food tasted so good. It was like, totally like a, a drug. You were in a moment of pleasure. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, and then as soon as it was over, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. I can't, I just ate. So it much. was not an intentional, you were not intentionally trying to make yourself feel bad. You no. were just, you were feeling good and you just, you keep doing it until it doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And so, um, and I just like, love food and then i would also use the excuse because at that point i had already like lost weight gained it back lost weight gained it back like i lost 60 pounds gained it back i lost 40 pounds gained it back well this is on an up an uptick of that too so i so in these moments i would be like okay i'm gonna end this on monday like so this is my last like this is like you know the the last supper like it's time to like it, this is my last hurrah. So then I, but then every night would become this last hurrah. Like I'm going to change tomorrow. And then right. tomorrow, the next day would happen. And I'm like, ah, tomorrow, tomorrow is tomorrow. definitely the day. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just like was starting, it was just going through this cycle of, of doing that. And then, you know, the, then I got out of that job and started a different job. And so that's where the, I was at the point where I'm like, I can't live my life this way anymore. This isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. And when was this? How old were you when you made this decision? 29. So you're 29 years old. mm -hmm. What was the tipping point? The straw that broke the camel's back? It was the 
the being doing the eating the just the way I was. It was getting out of that job. Um, it was just being like, in other words, getting out of that job help empowered you. Yes. Yeah. Of like, I'm not dealing with this toxic situation anymore. I kind of joined another kind of messed up situation, another radio station, <laughs> but like it was nothing like that, that situation for me. But I'm like, I just was like, I don't know. There's just something inside of me where I'm like, I'm, I'm over this. Like, I'm just, I'm tired of not living the way I want to. Like, if I want to chop my hair off, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just, I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm like, I'm just, I don't know. There was just a, a change in me. And as far as changing my lifestyle goes, it was a couple things. It was, I was tired of being that way. And then the morning show that I had joined after that, we were doing a break on the air about how there was some study that said if you do New Year's resolutions, that a 90 day resolution actually works instead of thinking of it as a whole year. Hmm. So the three of us decided, okay, well, we're going to do 90 day resolutions. We're going to each choose three resolutions to make for 90 days. And we all sealed them up in an envelope. And then we were going to open them 90 days later to see if we actually accomplished them. So I'm like, you know what? This is a good time. I'm like ready to just uh, to make this. I need need to lose this weight. I need to stop eating this weight. And I was also drinking those giant cans of Red Bull, like a ton of those a day. <laughs> I was like just making so many horrible decisions. I'm like, I'm going to turn this around. I've dieted enough. I'm like, so it was my decision for my New Year's resolution that I wasn't going to diet. I was just going to make the best choice possible in every moment. So, you know, if I'm at a ball game and I want a beer and a hot dog, I'm not going to kill myself over it. I'm not going to restrict myself and, and beat myself up for you, doing it. You I'm will have a it. beer and a hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. But the next time I eat, and if I'm in a situation where I'm at home, the best choice would to do chicken and broccoli or whatever it is. Like in the moments, I wanted to do the best possible and not, I think the moment that I feel like restricted on a diet, I feel super cagey and I'm like, and that's all I think about is what I can't have. Right. So I kind of learned that lesson from from all the diets I had done before. I'd done Weight Watchers a couple times and South Beach Diet and Atkins. And um, it just, it never worked for me. So I'm like. But you did at one point or more than one point. I think you said you lost 60 and then you gained it mm-hmm. back and then you lost it again and you gained it back. And obviously you've lost it again and lost more than that. Yeah. And kept it off this time. So how long, you lost a total of. 117 pounds. 117 pounds over a period of how long? Six and a half years. Wow. And then also part of that New Year's resolution was, and I didn't even mean to like have this streak go this long, but was to give up fast food and soda because it was such a crutch of mine. So I, and I just ran with it with the streak. So I have not had fast food or soda in six and a half years, which is a little extreme. I don't really expect anybody else to do that, but I just, I mean, I don't really see a value of it. It's something you had to do. Yeah, and I just needed to cut it out. Yeah, of like, if again, I feel like sometimes I don't want to restrict myself, put myself under like these rules and feel like a prisoner to what I eat. But at the same time, I can't give myself a ton of freedom either because I know I'll just like, I'll catch that ball and just run with it. So so by denying yourself the fast food, that doesn't make you get that cagey feeling that mm-hmm. you feel when you start putting too many restrictions and rules. No. This is one of those rules. That you can live with. Yeah, because I feel like most fast food really has no redeeming qualities of like there's really and I mean, it's good enough. I guess the only fast food technically I would say I would miss is like Taco Bell. 
But I mean, you know, would I rather have a burger from McDonald's or would I rather go to like a local joint like Nation or something like that here and get a burger? I'm like, I'd much rather go to a place that has a kick ass burger and tear that up than to just get a quarter pounder. You know what I mean? So it's it, for me, it's like kind of weighing those options. It's not that I won't eat French fries or that kind of stuff, or I, but I feel like the, the convenience part is what I needed to get rid of more so than the food of just like that being unprepared. I'm just going to hit up a drive through and then that just I feel like that is what was it attracting me to it because not, not only do I feel like I get that um, elation from like the, the food thing you know like that turned on a sensor in my brain like drugs but I felt like it's just that spending money on sort of little things like I get that now buying coffee at Starbucks I'm like I totally make coffee at home but it feels better to buy coffee at Starbucks isn't that interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I don't feel like I'm alone on that on that act. It's a de- definitely that retail therapy sort of thing of just kind of like um, I could make a sandwich at home, but when I buy a sandwich, somehow somehow it tastes better. I don't know. Really? You don't have that? Is that just is that me? Um, I buy out of convenience. I like uh, you know I know I do fast food out of convenience. Yeah. I like to dine out for dinner, not out of convenience. That's different for me. Dining out is an opportunity. For me to create an atmosphere with someone. Uh, yeah. And, and it can be anyone. I like the fellowship. It, it, I suppose it doesn't really matter what we're dining over. I suppose there's no reason it can't be healthier food than not healthy food. But yeah, yeah I like to relax with a cocktail or two. <laughs> or more. Or seven. Yeah, whatever. And uh, <laughs> maybe there's something to that is that it's part of it. Yeah, but I think that's also healthy too i feel like you know food is meant to be enjoyed and it is an experience and i feel like so many cultures right use food that way i think that's totally a great way to you know yeah but honestly if i'm home and i have the food in the house and i don't have anywhere to be and i suppose i have the time then yeah i, I do get a certain joy out of making something for myself because i get to make it my way yeah the way that i like it Mm-hmm. And uh, this coffee, a darker roast than maybe what I you know normally get when I actually go to the place and get it. So I guess it's different for everybody. But what for you is the fuel that drives you? Is it just willpower or is it a completely new rewiring of the brain? Um, I'd say that it's both. That I feel like I've made, I think the, the key is to make these small changes one step at a time. And then that just kind of turns into a snowball effect of like, oh, I can see that I can do this. What can I do next? Little goals. Yeah. And then pushing yourself to see. Yeah. To see what if I, I can do this too. Yeah. Of like um, that. That's what's worked for me a lot. And that's what I find really motivating of I'm doing things this year that I had never thought I could do before. And I'm, you know, six and a half years into this round of weight loss. Like I just started going to a gym by myself. Because I've always been afraid to go to a gym because I'm like, I don't know how to use anything. Without a trainer, meaning? Yeah. You had gone to a gym before, but with a trainer? Um, well, there's a gym here in Cincinnati called Fitnext. And that, I mean, I went, didn't go to a gym at all. I had gym memberships before and then like paid and never went like a lot of people do. Um, and then this gym, Fitnext in Cincinnati is, it's kind of, it's, I liked it because it was this weird hybrid. It was, it's not like a normal big box gym. It's smaller. And it's kind of classes, but it's still personalized. So you have kind of a personal trainer without paying that insane personal trainer price. 
and you have your own little station and you choose what kind of workout you want to do every day. And they are there to make sure that they're choosing the weights for you, that your, your form is correct and you keep things moving. It's an hour long and everything is like Tabata style. So everything's like 30 second intervals. Hmm. So like that, I felt like I could do and I really enjoyed it because there's somebody there to tell me what to do. Right. Um, without, you know, pay, I've never just like paid for a personal trainer to like come to a box gym with me and tell me what to do. But like, I felt like that was, and I went there for, and I still go there. I go there once a week, but I was going like five, six days a week for two years. Hmm. And that felt really good for me of like, I just need somebody. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. How often did you go there? Five to six days a week. Five to six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now I go to the Y and I just started doing that in January. And I really started going there because I have um, knee problems now. And I kept hurting myself at Fitnex because you're doing so much like lateral stuff and you're twisting your knee in certain ways. And so I had to do physical therapy at Christ Hospital. And they're like, you should get on a machine where you can steady control working your leg. So I'm like, okay, so I guess I got to get a gym membership. So I went to the Y and then um, we have a dude here that works in the building, Zeb, who's a personal trainer. I'm like, can you just come show me how to use all these machines and stuff? Cause I don't know what I'm doing. He came one afternoon and we spent three hours there and he just like showed me everything and just kind of like set me loose. And so now I just watch YouTube videos and Instagram to kind of like make sure I'm doing things right. And I love it. But I mean, if you even, just a year ago, I would have been like, oh, I'm not that person. I can't just go to a gym and figure it out on my own. I don't know what I'm doing. So, and I felt like that way my whole life, but now I'm like, oh, well, I'm doing this. And not only am I doing this now of like, oh, dang, like I could have a gun show. Like, how can I like build up my arms and actually have like toned arms and stuff like that? So it's just as like, well, I did this and I didn't think I could. What can I do next that I didn't think I could? Do you enjoy the feel of physical exercise more today than you did? When you were younger. Oh, a billion percent. I mean, I like and is avoided it the, gym in high school. Right. I played band. <laughs> but but, it, but is it the success that changed it for you? Because um, I mean, I don't care how good I look. I don't like the feel of exercise. Well, I think that, well, I think that, again, I think it was a snowball process because I started with walking and I love walking and hiking. So, and, and I didn't do that really in either until six years ago that um, but I was also helped that I was living in Colorado at the time and it's gorgeous. Yeah. So um, I was just like, I really enjoy just going out on walks. Like I just, I like putting on headphones and listening to a podcast and listening to music. And I just really love, and I still really love that. So I think the trick is just finding something you like. And so that, and then once I started losing some weight, I was like, I wonder if I could run. Cause even in school, ah, I'm see. like, I could never, I never, the first time I ran a mile without stopping, I was 30 years old. So I did a couch to 5K um, podcast and I was like, I, I really didn't think I could run a mile. And I ran a mile and I'm like, well, damn, I could probably do a 5K. I'm like those color runs look stupid fun. So I did, a, I did that. And then I did a ton of races after that because then I liked the high of getting medals. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, it's again, it's just that I'm like, I I didn't like exercise at all, but then I found I liked walking and then I like, there's parts of running. I like, I like, um, the feeling of accomplishment because it feels like there's an end line to that. And again, the medals and stuff like that. And I just, it felt when I would get done doing a run, I just feel, I felt really good. Like, 
physically or emotionally both yeah that of like i'm like i'm doing this this is awesome so um I, i i really enjoyed that and then that turned into the gym so yeah now like physically i really enjoy again it's like these have been small steps i didn't go from like you know, I'm at my peak weight. I feel like garbage about myself. I'm just going to go start throwing some weights around. I think I would have hated it. Actually, I had because I had gone to gyms before and I'm like, this blows. I don't want to come back here. And so um, I think it's just those tiny, tiny increments. And then you just kind of like learn to love those things. Because even now, I, I mean, I, I do enjoy the physical activity of going to the gym, but I still just, I love going on long walks. I just, this weekend, just went on a seven mile walk just around town. I like walked to Walmart. I found, I just find random destinations of like, mm. Oh, I haven't walked to, I haven't walked to Northside. Let's go walk. To, and I'll walk to Northside from my neighborhood. Which I live on the West side just to go there to get a cup of coffee and walk back because I just enjoy the process of, you know, catching up on podcasts that I love or That's just great. Or zoning out and just, and just walking. And so I feel like I spent so many years doing that, one because i didn't like gyms at the time and i didn't want to spend the money that i feel like when people are like oh my god i can't spend the money on a trainer or a gym like just go outside and walk that's free (laughs) i some years back before you started working here joined one of the y's downtown yeah and went regularly three times a week I got a trainer who worked there. And one of the things I liked about it was that they, you know, it wasn't full of a bunch of meatheads. These were people who actually were trained in physical fitness. And so I consistently went three times a week with someone that I had chemistry with and that I got along with and we laughed a lot and it really helped take the edge off of the, the pain of physical exercise for me, sort of distract me from the, from the working out part. And this lasted for a good five, six years. And then my trainer left and I was amazed at how that threw me. I didn't think it would. I thought I've done this a million times. I ought to be able to just continue without her and it'll be great. And it was surprising to me how dependent and reliant I was. So I would try to go back and I would occasionally talk to her and she would send me this is go on this machine and do this many reps. And I just came apart and realized that some people need guidance. And I seem to be one of those people, which is not to say that I can't someday get to the point where you are, where you're going to the gym by yourself. But that was an interesting, sobering learning experience for me. Yeah. But see, that's a great lesson because now, now, you know, moving forward, what you, what you need personally, if that's a goal that you want to have. Someone again, to at least get me on my feet yeah. and steady me. And maybe, you know, if they're in the gym and I can consult them and say, look, I don't know what I'm doing over here. Can you help me? I think that was one of the other things that helped me too, was that it was a small gym. It was in a basement. There were very few people there. And so I didn't, I didn't feel self-conscious about what I was doing. Yeah. I share with you that, you know, when you don't feel good about the way you look, you can sometimes feel self-conscious yeah. about, how you're looking even when you're trying to do something healthy. Isn't oh, that yeah. funny? I know, exactly. Oh, and I was definitely that person for a long time, too. And again, I don't know, like, I don't know what snapped in me where I'm just like, I don't care. Where you just stop caring one day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that I don't, like, not care completely, but it's just to the point of, like... You were able to overcome it. Yeah, of, like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to not do something I want to do because I feel like you're going to judge me for it. Of like, that's on you. That's not on me. That's... That, if you... if. If I'm in the gym and I'm trying to do something to better myself and somebody's there judging me or making fun of me, like that's not my problem. That's their problem. 
Like yeah. that's their own. But that takes a certain mm-hmm. amount of emotional maturity to understand that. Yeah. You're married. Correct. For how long? Uh, we have been together for 14 years and we've been married for nine. How does that relationship play into your weight loss goals and maintaining your health? Well, it's funny because uh, he is completely opposite from me in our current state, I guess, as far as like food and health goes that like he just eats nothing but pizza rolls and fast food and so he uh, eats what he wants. Oh, yeah. And he's like one of those people that just has always been a thin guy and just can eat whatever he wants. And so even when we met, does he, he work out? Does he exercise? Who knew? <laughs> Whenever, uh, whenever we lived in Denver and we lived in Oregon, he biked to work and that was his exercise because he liked riding his bike, but it's a very different culture on the West coast than it is here. And plus he works at Miami university and that's kind of a haul. You can't really ride your bike up to Oxford. It's a 45 minute drive. So, um, but he, um, he doesn't do that anymore. So it doesn't even ride his bike anymore. But like, yeah, he's just like, and I, I've asked him to go to the gym with me and he'll go and he'll kind of like play racquetball by himself. Um, cause he's also like, I mean, I want to describe myself as an introvert. He is a crazy introvert. He is very high social anxiety. Um, so, and it's funny that we met in radio and he's been in radio so long, but he's on air. Yeah. Um, whenever uh, I met him, I got hired to co-host the morning show and he was doing afternoons and, um, but, and he has been a production director for a long time, too. He just would prefer to sit in a studio and write commercials and make commercials. And he likes being on the air, but he would prefer to just, like, voice track. And just, he likes being in a studio by himself. He would never be on a team show. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. And, like, even if he's, like, doing a voice track or he's recording and I'm standing in there, he won't record anything while I'm in there. He has to be alone. So, and me, I'm like, come on in! <laughs> So like we're, we're, we're opposites in that way. Um, and yeah, with the food thing, he's always just been able to eat that way. And then when we first, we first met, I was at a peak weight. Um, and if you've seen a picture of me, a before picture of me where I'm wearing this orange Illinois shirt, um, that was three days before I met him. That was when, when you see behind me, I got a moving van behind me because I didn't get paid enough money and moving expenses. We met in New York, but we're both from Illinois. Uh, that they only gave me 500 bucks to move. So I couldn't run a U-Haul. And so I rented a van and I just took everything I owned that I could shove into this van and drove it from Illinois to New York. And so, um, which side note, uh, one of my uh, favorite radio stories, which I'm sure we both have a million, is um, at that time before I took that job, it was that same time. Um, Because the station I was at before that, um, where I did my first morning show, they sold the station and they fired all of us. So I was like without a job for like a month until I got this job in New York. But I had interviewed on the phone in Nags Head, North Carolina, and I was asking about moving expenses and I was asking about like the cost of living there. And this guy's like, listen, sweetheart, if you want to be in this business, you need to learn that everything you own needs to be able to fit into a car because that's how you're going to have to live. And I'm like, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) did not take that job. Um, but I just love that attitude of like, oh, you're on radio. You better not own anything because you're going to move every two seconds. Oh, I lived that way for years. Yeah. I mean, I've bounced yeah. around a lot too, but not like habitually, I guess. Um, cause well, how many cities have you lived in or states? 
I was uh, born and raised in the suburbs of Boston, and my first jobs were closer to Worcester, which is about an hour west of Boston. So my first job was at a little suburban station in between, and from there, Portland, Maine. Portland, Sac- Maine's cool. It is now. <laughs> it wasn't then. <laughs> And uh, that was probably one of the darkest times of my life because you would think I'd be excited about this opportunity to, you know, work full time as my first full time job, and I was excited because it came with benefits, and that part was good. But geographically, I felt so isolated and cut off from Boston. Uh, uh, that was really hard for me, and I was there for only a year, but it felt like a long time before I got hired to work in Sacramento. Cool. And I felt, yeah, that was a much better situation for me. It was a, it was a tough work situation. Worked for um, one of the best program directors in the business. He was very talented, very insightful, very smart, but he was a, he was a really tough guy to work for. And he was not uh, above just screaming at you in your face and calling you every F word in the book and threatening to fire you daily. Hotlining you during your show? Oh, yeah. I mean, just, or, or just, you know, walking into the studio and just absolutely berating you and telling you why you were the worst talent oh, ever. Great. So there is a little bit of that that I can relate to when you tell these stories about how you, there were at times toxic situations that just weren't. Good for you. Yeah. For me, I was warned of this before I took the job. So for me, it was a battle of of will where I knew that if I could just hang in there and if I could just take the punishment and view this as a boot camp, mm. that I would be able to emerge from this a better radio personality and and hopefully go on to something somewhere else. And and I ended up moving to New York City. I lived there for three years. Started out part-time at a top 40 station there. Was promoted to afternoons. Uh, When they flipped formats and they started letting personalities go, I went back to Northern California with my first wife at the time. Took an afternoon job during the week in Sacramento again. And did weekends in uh, San Francisco. And then from uh, there, I was offered a a job in Tampa, Florida. In 1994, I took that job and that's where I met Jen. Jen, my partner on the radio morning show at Q102. Was doing middays at Q1 at uh, WFLZ in Tampa, and I was hired to do afternoons. And so we saw each other every day. We became friends. We shared a lot of the nightclub appearances, station nightclub appearances together. It was just a chemistry that clicked on and off. Limited. We weren't on the air together very often, but when we were, it was very easy because we were very good friends off the air. Mm-hmm. And when the opportunity presented itself after a few years to co-host a morning show. It was either that for me or take on more responsibility at the radio station. And I want to know part of programming or running a radio station. And I really didn't want any part of doing mornings because I wasn't ready to to share a whole lot of myself. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about that now that you've done mornings so long or do you? It's, oh, it's, it's been the most incredible growth experience in terms of personal growth. It's been great. I mean, Jennifer and I are opposite people in that she is very much an extrovert. I was always more uptight and didn't quite know how to go there. And you know, that's a lot of that has to do with just my own personal issues and baggage and things and maybe places that I at the time wasn't quite ready to get into on the air. But I think that by working in this job, and I don't need to tell you how humbling it can be working in this field. So for me, this was a lesson in learning how not to take myself so seriously. Yeah. Is there any part of you who are like, oh man, 
I wish I could just go do an afternoon shift. <laughs> All the time. Yeah? Yeah, because it's easier. That? Well, because I could phone it in. Yeah, it was very easy. I could do it with my eyes closed. It was effortless. I could run a high-energy, forward-momentum afternoon show, and I had great chemistry with the funniest, best traffic reporter in the sky ever. And it was a ton of fun for years, but yeah. there was a lot of downsizing going on in those years. And so just, you know, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I was going to hang in this business and I don't know how to do anything else. So really my only option was if I was going to remain in this business and be able to make a living at it, then I had to take some chances and put myself out there. Yeah. And morning radio is the place where I have learned to do this the hard way at every <laughs> turn. So I admire people like you who can walk into a situation with all these ideas and be willing to put yourself out there in the way that you do because you get so raw and you get so personal on your blog at B105.com mm-hmm. and on your Instagram page. I know you have a podcast as well. Yes. Uh, the name of the Instagram page is? You Can Pound This. Yeah. And, and then- you talk about that photo of you in the orange t-shirt. Yeah. You have a lot of before and after photos on that Instagram page. Yeah, um, for the Instagram, well, and, and the the podcast too, is I feel like, I think that's what's great about social media. And I think that's what's really exciting for me. Um, where, you know, I first got into radio kind of at that tail end of uh, the total being, totally being anonymous. Like the internet, I mean, my first full-time job was in, I started in January of 2003. So it wasn't that long ago, I guess, but like it wasn't the internet. The internet was a thing, but it's not like everybody go check my Facebook page and right. look at me and here I am. Ah! So, um, but I love that social media is that you can interact with people so many ways. And um, by being able to like share my like weight loss journey and, and my struggles and stuff like that, I feel like I went through so much of this by myself and it's hard. And I feel like a lot of people, I can totally empathize with the, I can't do this. Right. Of like, there's no way there's, I, there's, there's something wrong with me. I just, I keep doing this and I keep failing. And I feel like social media is such a great way um, in podcasting to be like, no, you can of like, and Hey, let me be your buddy. Like if you have somebody that you need to ask a question to that has lived it, like, Oh my God, ask, ask away. I will answer every question that I'm able to answer. So I feel like kind of showing those before and after pictures is just like, you know, if I can do this and I can figure this out and, I, you know, I've been through a ton, I feel like at least hopefully give some sort of inspiration or, or motivation that, you know, that people can find it within themselves to to figure it out. And it's not going to be the fastest process. And it certainly isn't easy. It's freaking hard that um, you can and you don't have to feel like you have to figure it out on your own. I think where social media can be so detrimental where you can compare your life to other people and make you feel bad of like, Oh, this girl's got all these booty shots on Instagram of like, why don't I look that way? Where I feel like there's that end of it. There's such a great community to it of, Hey, we're all going through the same thing. Let's, let's chat with each other. Ask me a question, send me a video or send me a recipe. I have people that feel like, Hey, I tried this, you know, new way to cook this like egg white pancake. I wanted to show you I'm like, Oh, great idea. I'm going to use that of just, the community of it of you know i'm put myself out there of this is who i am and this is what i'm interested in and this is what i'm going through on a daily basis i feel like um there there's so many other people out there that are, are living that same life or, or attempting to try to be healthier and that we can all just kind of 
pack together and kind of. What does your husband make of your weight loss? Oh, he thinks it's awesome. I mean, I'd say probably the only thing that you said you you met him when you were at your highest weight. At one of my highest weights. One of yeah. your highest weights. Or I think you yeah. call it a peak at one yeah. point. Yeah, it was like they took well because he's he's seen me. We've been together fourteen years. He was he's seen me at every weight. So he uh, met me at that orange shirt picture. And when we first met, I had just turned twenty two and. Um, oh my God. And at that point, this was what my one, two, this was my fourth radio station that I had worked at. And, um, this was his first full-time radio job. And he, um, cause he just got out of grad school cause he has a master's degree. He's way overqualified to work in radio. And, um, he was like our, um, our PD that hired us both. Cause we both came from Illinois. He's like, Hey, you guys kind of came from the same area. Because actually the two markets that we were in beforehand were only 45 minutes apart. But we'd never met and we actually knew some of the same people. So my first day, <laughs> I like said something really smart assed in a staff meeting. Like it was my for introduction to everybody. Like this is Amanda. She's the new co-host of the morning show. And then I said some real smart ass comment to the night guy. Because he said something like alluding to I'm proud like that basically me being a woman and getting a job in radio or something. And I was like, oh, and I can vote too. <laughs> and so my husband's like i'm gonna hang out with this chick and he so, liked the uh, he liked the sarcasm yeah he's yeah. like so he's like do you like to drink i'm like hell yeah so at first like, we were just drinking buddies like we'd go out and get hammered and polish off a bottle of captain every weekend and then go to denny's and throw down <laughs> um so i mean that was so much of our our at our beginning of a relationship was yeah. just drinking and eating and whatever um, was that hard to make that transition? Like if so much of your relationship was, you know, based on those shared food experiences. Yeah. That's see, that's, that's the thing that, well now, and, um, and he has to, he's had to deal with me so many times, like even a good example then is so when I lost 60 pounds in six months, I did, um, it was a, a diet through the radio station. It was an endorsement deal for LA weight loss. I don't know if you remember that, that his son's gone bankrupt probably for good reason. Mm. And, um, so it was, it was super, super, super strict. Like you could have like six grapes at a time and like three wheat thins. Oh, wow. So, but I was doing it because I was talking about it on air and I'm like, well, I want to do the best job possible. Sure. And so I was crushing it. But the moment I went off, like I went way off the rails. And there was at one point we didn't live together yet, but um, they had like a ton of chicken wings at the radio station. And I was going to bring him back to my apartment. So when he got off the air, I'd be like, look, I stole all these chicken wings for you. <laughs> and so, but while I was waiting for him to get off the air, I just motored you these chicken him. wings down. <laughs> like I killed him. And there was like, wow. I don't know, like 25, 30 of these things. And so I felt so bad. I like hauled him on the hotline while he was on the air and I was bawling my eyes out. And when I'm you say like, felt bad, emotionally you felt bad? or you physically? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I ate all these chicken wings. Like, I ruined it all. I'm going to make myself throw up. And he's like, oh, my God, calm down. You're fine. You're fine. He like talk, he's had to talk me off so many ledges like that. Really? Being through all these diets and stuff. Yeah. But there's never been a point ever in our relationship where he's just like, you need to lose weight. Or he's never judged me for any of that. Or even at times where I'm like, if I try to eat this, tell me to stop it. And he'd be like, I know better than that. No. <laughs> Yeah. Because even if he does, I'll you know if I'm like if I don't if don't let me get too drunk, uh, which I'll still try to pull that card. And then the moment I start getting too drunk, he'll say something. Like, don't you tell me how to live my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah. <laughs> There's no hidden You're not the boss of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so it's so it, it's changed so much since he's been through this whole yo-yo and of, of everything. It does change now because we did used to go out to eat so much. And now we like rarely go out. And if we do, I'm like, ah, but I only want to go to this kind of restaurant. So it's it's changed. But I think it's been such a gradual process and not this like overnight thing of we went from just partying and eating all the time to like, we're never doing this again that I feel like that would have been an earthquake in the relationship but um i and we do things so separately and we're fine with it where i cook all my own food and do my own thing and he does all his own thing that it's never i don't it's it's just how we operate it's never become this like huge um, con- contentious thing where like we're angry at each other about it or it's really changed anything it hasn't been so much of a lifestyle change that it has threatened a norm in your marriage that made him uncomfortable no i mean at least i don't think he's been uncomfortable um well, we don't drink as much as we do i think i mean you know what i'm getting at like you know how some couples you know one decides to get healthy the oh, other yeah, doesn't yeah. and the other one doesn't feel like they're getting the support that they need to kind of stay on track and the other is like well you know we never hang out because you want to do this and i want to do that and i i have seen that pop yeah. up in relationships but that doesn't sound like it was a thing in yours no not really i mean there's there's times where um you know where i'm like i just want to go on a hike and he's like i know i don't I want to, and that's where we do kind of differ and it can be, we can, we'll get in fights about it is that I want to, and we vacation very differently, but is we've just kind of learned workarounds around it. And that's why I'll go on solo vacation. We go on vacations together and we also go on solo vacations because my perfect vacation is actually what I'm doing here in a couple of weeks is I like, I want to go hiking and I want to see my friends and I want to like do all this like crazy stuff. Yeah. And his idea of a perfect vacation is sitting in the basement with in the dark, playing video games, reading books, being alone, sure. not having to deal with the outside world. And you allow each other to coexist and have both. Like you can yeah. take it. You can, you can do separate vacations and not feel like it threatens the relationship in yeah. any way like he knows that i'll go off and i'll hang out with my friends in california and i'll go hike and camp because he does not want to camp right and he'll let me do my own thing and he'll go visit his friends and drink his face off and whatever and, and, and will you guys do stuff together yeah and do you have things in common that you like to do together yeah so then like like this year specifically um i'm well i do this annual camping trip and then we're going to go on vacation together we're going to go to Asheville because oh, um it's got a lot of breweries that yeah. he wants to go to. Great, right. So it's got like, the what? I just went immediately went to restaurants. And went, oh, great restaurants. Oh, too. Yeah, no, because <laughs> we, no, if we're on vacation. We both, we both for us, like we just went to a place this weekend that's new in town because we both love cheese plates. So I love a good cheese plate. We both really love seafood. So, I mean, if we're traveling and stuff together, like we will just, we'll find all the great seafood restaurants. We'll go to get cheese boards everywhere, drink wine, we love going to different coffee shops. Like that's just going, we both like going to big cities and just exploring. Mm. Um, so that satiates the whole, I want to walk around. It's kind of an urban hike thing for me. And right. then for him, he wants to check out all the bookstores and the coffee shops. And I like doing that too. So um, we'll do, you know, when we vacation together, that's the stuff that we'll, we'll tend to do is just go explore new cities and then, yeah, just find great restaurants, great coffee um, and have those experiences. So what insecurities do you still have? Like when you look in the mirror, 
you've not only lost 117 pounds, you've talked about having surgery to remove excess skin, yes. right? I had seven and a half pounds of skin removed from my abdomen, which is like a baby. That's, that's Was that my difficult own to go through? Um, you know what it was, I'd say more so going leading up to it just because I'd never had any surgery before. Yeah. And, um, but I know there's like so many people online that like freak out about like, they want to be so secretive about having, um, you know, a plastic surgery basically of a, like that, you know, kind of feels vain. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't feel like that for, for myself and I don't feel I've, I, if other people feel that way, that's totally fine. But yeah. um, I feel like I worked my ass off to be where I'm at. To lose this weight. Yeah, to lose the weight, yeah. to be healthy. I right. feel like just I'm just so much healthier overall, mentally, emotionally, physically, that that skin, and I think people are afraid to lose weight because you're afraid of all this loose skin, which I will say I would absolutely take all the skin back and keep the weight off and be healthier or whatever. It's, it wasn't that much of a detriment right? that there's spanks. Spanks exist. You sure. can so you can suck it in. <laughs> and so, um, but for me, it's just like you work so hard and then you see the skin just like hanging off of you. And for me, it was really uncomfortable. It did make working out more difficult, like running and stuff like that, because yeah. it's all this, I mean, seven sure, pounds just bouncing on you. So, um, so was, how does it feel now when you look in the mirror? Like when you look in the mirror, are you able to look at your mirror and say, damn, I look amazing. Like I'm rocking this now. I, I'd say that depends on day to day. And I'd say that is also a daily struggle of, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say as far as, I mean, as body dysmorphia, but like maybe just like touches of that of like where sometimes it's hard to see yourself in a different way, even though it's been a gradual process for me. Like there's some days I look in the mirror and it, it feels like I haven't changed. That's just if a bad day, a menstrual or whatever. But like in some other days, I'll look and be like, I'll catch myself in the mirror or I'll see myself in a picture and I'll be like, is that me? I look so skinny. And I'm like, right. what? And so it just depends, I guess, on the day of like, of, of, of how I feel or how I look. And, and, and I think that's a good reminder too. And why I like posting before and after pictures, cause it's a good reminder to myself of how far I've come. Cause some days I just, it just feels like you're back at step one and you don't even, can't even explain why. Are you at a point now where you can just say, I'm here, I'm going to maintain, or are there still other goals? Like you, you've been at this, you said you lost 117 pounds yeah. over the course of what was the six and a half years. Yeah. Are you done? I'd say I'm done losing weight. I mean, I, I don't really, I mean, now be, you're just trying to stay healthy. Yeah. I just yeah. want to stay healthy. And when my goals are changing now too, my goals are like, I think it's really fun to see just to get stronger. Like a goal of mine is like, I really like to do an unassisted pull up. Like I've never been able to do any of that. Just kind of like, I'd never used to be able to run a mile. Like, I think it'd be cool. Like when school, like we had, I don't know if you had to do this or not the presidential challenge. Mm -hmm. And like one of them is like chin ups and pull ups. And I could never yeah. do any of that. I still can't, I can't do a pull up. And so I'm like, it's kind of, you know, but it's, it's just kind of a healthy motivator of like, it's not going to make or break me if I can do a pull up or not, but it's kind of a fun goal to have of like, I never been able to do this. Can I, let's find out. So, and I've been working on that for a while and I suck at pull up. So it's kind of these smaller goals of like, of just getting stronger. Like right now, because the weightlifting is so new to me, 
I, I'm I'm enjoying seeing like seeing definition in muscles. Like I think that's a, a fun thing for me right now. Not that I want to become a bodybuilder or shredded or anything, but it's it's a new it's a it's a a different version of healthy for me. Of like I don't know. I, I so if as far as dropping weight though, I'm I'm definitely I'm at a healthy body fat percentage. I'm at a healthy BMI. I'm at a healthy place. If I just started worrying about weight loss right now, I'd put myself in an unhealthy place. Right. But that's also learning that too and not being chained to the scale because that's been so much of my life is like weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And the scale of like trying to break out of that is difficult. (laughs) You've talked about the interaction that you had with listeners on social media on your Instagram page, Pound This. Uh, Instagram is you can pound this. You can pound this. Pound on this was Instagram. taken by some other person that is inactive. So thanks. Okay, to them. so you can <laughs> pound this on Instagram. Correct. And you talked about how beneficial it's been, not just for listeners and followers of yours, but for yourself as well, having yeah. this sort of back and forth and supporting each other as you as you experience this journey. Sort of related to this, how has the weight loss journey changed the way you communicate with? Just people off the air, men and women. I don't know. It gives me more self-confidence, I guess. Um, I like that. I guess for me, it gives me a lot of topic of like we discussed earlier, having a topic of conversation that has depth to it. That has a lot of meaning for me. It's very close to home for me. Like this, I'm obviously extremely passionate about it. So I feel like I, I love having conversations about it because it's so much of my life in a thing that's always been a part of my life and to have those conversations with people. I feel like it's making a difference. You know what I mean? It's so much different than, you know, just before really discussing this openly, you know, as a radio personality with listeners before the conversation would be like, Oh, Hey, remember that time you said that fart joke? And I'm like, Oh, I don't really remember, but ha ha. Glad <laughs> you liked it. And so, you know what I mean? Of just kind of like, it's this, like we had, I could have conversations with people, but it never, it, it didn't, have this like really deep meaning to it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fluff of, um, and it's awesome. I like having compliments from listeners and they think that you're funny or they remember something you said, or I like, it's awesome. Like I'm not taking away from that at all, but to have a conversation with somebody of like, you know, I'm really trying to make myself better. I, I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. You know, can you give me some advice? And I give advice and hear what, what, what their struggles are. And I can relate. To, it's just back and forth of like, this is, this is going, this is changing something. This is, this is something I'm passionate about. And hopefully you can take this into your life and, and change it. And you're changing mine by, by bringing your story to me of how everybody um, interprets everything differently. So I feel like that is, it's just given a lot of depth to specifically listener interactions other than like, Hey, can I win some movie passes or Hey, can you get me concert tickets? Substantive interactions. Yeah. yeah. We talked a little bit about, you know, when we got into radio, radio was different. The internet wasn't what it is today. Yeah. This was for the longest time, a very anonymous job, despite how public it is. So for me, watching the job change and having to spill more of your life out there, that has been an exercise on its own for yeah. someone like me, just having to realize that I, I, I can't hide behind a, a microphone and have this sort of anonymous relationship and just keep it surface. You know, it has to be substantive. And, and you have really managed to do that and inspire people along the way and really help people. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, I think that it's funny that we're kind of flipped here how you talked about you prefer to do like an afternoon show. And I've like, at the moment I started doing mornings, like I was, I was hooked. Like I love team shows. If I had to go do a midday shift right now, I'd be bored out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I probably would be too. And I'm not saying I would rather do that now today. Yeah. But you know, there have been, there are days where boy, it would just be great to be able to run in here for four hours, phone oh, it yeah. in. <laughs> well, you're not thinking about, well, yeah. now too you have to think about like, how can I turn this into video content and do all this other stuff, which I want to ask you about what well, your experience with listeners. Do you find a lot too? That it, that people recognize you by your by seeing you yeah, before they hear it's you. It's visual. Yeah, and I find like that seems still crazy to me. Where somebody come up, like I won't even. I'm walking through Target, and somebody will say something to me, like, "Oh my god, you know what I look like?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that I plaster pictures of myself all over the internet." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Uh, you know, I I got to keep in mind the fact that we live in a small town. I I would not go so far as to say that working in this job necessarily makes you a celebrity, but you're certainly a known person. Yeah. And with that, uh, there are people who obviously, if they listen and they support your show and they're entertained by what you talk, they want to make a, a, they want to say hello. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And that's on me. You know, my, my little insecurities and my social awkwardness is my problem. And I just need to get over that. And I've been working on it. And I think I'm better at it today than I have been. I think I've, chilled out a lot over the years but for you who really sounds like you know from the moment you got into this business you were diving in head first speaking of which you recently jumped off of a diving board for the first (laughs) time i did what was that like Uh, it was scary man because i don't i almost drowned a couple times as a kid so i don't really is that what that fear was from yeah it's that and it's so i don't like the deep water where i can't touch which again, I went whitewater rafting, which is a stupid idea. I hated it, which seems like something that would be, I'm all outdoorsy and like that kind of crap, but I, I hated that experience. I just don't like unpredictable water, I guess. And I don't like the, it's not so much the height, it's the jumping. Mm. Um, so like I've like stood at the top of the CN tower or whatever where it's glass and like looked down and that doesn't bother me. It's not the height. It's if I had to like, it's the jump. That freaks me out. And so. What um, part about the jump? Explain it. Is, it, is the, it you're afraid of the impact? What it's yes. going to feel like when you hit the water? Yeah, I'm just afraid I'm going to do it the wrong way. Or I just don't afraid like, you're going to hurt yourself? Yeah, like even jumping on a big trampoline freaks me out. Like I just don't know. I guess You're the, afraid of the landing. Yeah, I guess it's the control freak in me that I'm like, I can't control how I land. Right. So you you haven't uh, jumped out of an airplane. You probably no. won't be jumping out of an airplane anytime soon. Or no, person. and I feel like with that, I just. I don't think I would just be up there crying and not be able to. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have a choice if I'm strapped to somebody's back to like jump. But like even like I could climb up a tree and the climbing isn't that then I'll be stuck up there. Like this literally happened to me like a year ago. I climb like I'm take my picture up here in this tree. And then I couldn't get get down. And it wasn't even Mm. that high. I was just crying because I'm like, I was just so afraid of misstepping or falling. And it's not even that was that much of a fall that I would have like snapped a femur or something. It was just. I don't know what, why, where that ties into or where it comes from, but the diving board thing had that, like even I took swim lessons as a kid and I could just never go off the diving board. I would stand there at the edge and just freeze and then have to, they'd have to be like, get off of there. And you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even jump off the diving board, let alone dive off the diving no. board. Yeah. So I've never dove off a, a diving board. I just, that's even scarier because you're going in head first, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I maybe that. now that I've jumped that same height diving board that I did, I would, I might try diving. I'm not, I gotta chain myself to that, but it's, 
Um, it's so funny because there's so many things where I'm like, I'll try everything once, woo, whatever. I mean, I ate cheese that was 30 years old out of my wall when I was like renovating my kitchen a couple months ago. So, I mean, I'll do stupid stuff. And was there any consequence to that, eating 30-year-old cheese? No, Did that I was make fine. you sick? No, you were fine. I was fine. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that, though. So, no. I mean, I, I, people were not very happy that I made that choice, right. including Grover, my boss. <laughs> He's like, don't. It's sick. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I also heard somewhere that you have this thing about hearing people chew their food. Oh, is God, that right? I can't handle it. I have misophonia. What is that? It's like, it's, it sends me into a rage. If like people are like snapping their gum or slurping. A or rage? Chewing loud. Mo- oh, you mean God. like a rage? Like an angry rage? Oh, God. It makes, me, it makes me angry. It makes me cry. I can't go to movie theaters. Like, I'm nuts, man. And what, I can't What do you mean it. you can't go to movie theaters? I can't listen to people eat popcorn. No kidding. Oh, yeah. What sucks. is that from? I don't know, but a lot of people have it because I've talked about it a ton and so many other people relate to it. So if you go back like to when you were a kid and you were growing up in your house with your parents and your brother, was it pronounced then? Like, could oh, you? Yeah. I have literally kicked my brother in the head for eating a cereal too loud. <laughs> Was it because like were your family members just gross eaters? Like what planted the seed um, inside? No, of they're you? not that bad. Uh, my mom crushes ice all the time. That makes me nuts. Huh. And then she eats popcorn all the time. That so how do nuts. you and your husband eat? Do you just not eat together? Or? No, we do. If or do you have been, to turn on the radio or something? How does that work? Oh, uh, the TV has to be on. Yeah, TV's got to be on. There's got to be have some sort of sound. Some sort of noise. Yeah, yeah. and if it's something like super crunchy. He usually takes the initiative to eat that in another room because he knows better because <laughs> I'm nuts. <laughs> so it doesn't matter who it is. It's anybody. Oh, it's anybody. Like I just in, I mean, I've paid people to spit out their gum before because I just can't handle them snapping their gum. Really? Ooh, what if, what if the person it. is chewing their gum with their mouth closed? I mean, that's usually fine, but even then I don't like to watch people chew their Understood. Gum. It's so funny. I was chewing. I don't chew gum often, but I was chewing gum before I came in and when I walked in the building. And I saw you through the glass. I had gone into another studio to get rid of my gum. And I didn't even, wasn't even thinking about, I, it just instinctively, for something told me, get rid of the gum. <laughs> and I think it's because I knew that about you. Yeah, it's just, I don't know why that just makes me so nuts. And so, and what th- uh, drives me insane is when people eat on the air, I cannot handle yeah, it. Because then you're just amplifying it and you're making other people listen to eat, or even commercials that we have where they're like, this taco is so crunchy. I'm like, ah! <laughs> Quit it! I'm like, not everybody wants to hear that. But like, so the sound of someone like on a commercial, if if you're listening to a potato chip commercial, and the sound of somebody crunching a potato chip, just one crunch will send you over the edge. Yeah, I can be fascinating. It it could be in Kroger, and I can hear someone snapping their gum two aisles over. No kidding. And it sucks because like once I hear it, I hone in on it, and I'm like, and I don't want to really. Like I just. I I've been you know I've been part of a million morning shows of like let's get a hypnotist and yeah. every other wacky idea to like there's no getting rid of it no but I wish I didn't have it because I mean how's I'm that so gonna nuts. go you know do you plan on having children ever or is that something you've considered or that's not really in the plan I mean if it happens it happens but it's not really in the plan because yeah, I'm, I'm told old. they eat. <laughs> yeah oh and see like <laughs> you're gonna I, have to would, feed them <laughs> that they would be like such like. What am I, I? I don't want to put my psychosis on on a toddler of like chew with your mouth closed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like, so I like, oh god, I would just terrorize a kid. Of like, I think of all the ways my parents messed me up. I can't imagine how I. You know what? My mother up. had a little bit of what you have in that she just enough that it made I don't know about my sisters, but it made me a little self conscious about eating in front of someone. And then my first wife 
really had a problem with it, not that far off from yours. So I just, out of habit and developing the self-consciousness now, have to have something on when I eat, not because it bothers me, but because I don't want to bother anybody else. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I've had so many radio co-hosts that are like, have had live in the wake of my eating crate. Like Jesse, go ask Jesse about eating in the studio with me. Jesse's your partner in the afternoon on yeah. B105. Yeah. Like he, well, he knows if it's too loud, I'll put my headphones on, which I usually, I try. This is a problem of mine too, is if somebody's eating loudly or doing like that, I don't, I don't want to like ruin somebody else's meal or whatever. I don't want to put my crazy on them. So I won't say anything. But then it'll just build in me and boil into the fact like I'll start crying or I'll be like, oh, my God, spit it out. And I'll freak out on them. And they have no idea what's why usually. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Will you will you tell them? Um, I, like, yeah, now see, that you know this about yourself, will you have that conversation with them and say, I'm so sorry. I know this seems like the craziest thing, but I'm just telling you. I know. And I know I should do that to like just say that up front. But yeah. I still don't because I don't want. I don't want somebody to be like self-conscious the whole time they're like I eating you. next. You know what I mean? I feel sure. like I'm putting my crazy on them. You put, uh, I, I I know we're kind of pressed for time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but on the dynamic with you and Jesse on your afternoon show is you often put him through these uncomfortable challenges where yeah. you kind of put him out there. And I think I've seen him, I don't know, walking around Fountain Square in chaps or something. <laughs> it to stick out of my mind. Is the dynamic on your show more about putting him through those experiences, or do you do that with each other? How we would do that you with say? each other. Yeah, I'd say that was probably the, mostly the go-to for him for a while. You just, take the weirdest, quirkiest things about each other and force yourselves into these uncomfortable situations. Well, is not it, always uncomfortable. No. Um, well, for him, I don't know. I just like we doing weird stuff, but he, uh, for him, I think it was just because he was so sheltered and so like he's never been part of a team show or anything like that before. And I mean, you knew Jesse before I did, so I, you could speak to what he was like, I don't know, pre-Amanda, but never in his personal life, he like detoured you, like in my opinion, like not just like, I don't know, I have like this zest for life. Like I'm like, I, when I die, I want people to be like, man, Amanda had a life well lived. I feel like there were so many things about Jesse of like, why didn't you go do this and go on this vacation? In other words, you feel like Jesse lived this. kind of a repressed life yeah. leading up. So I felt like in, you know, whenever um, I first started, like that was just, oh, it was just a playground for me of like, we're going to have you do all this stuff. Like, yeah. woo, here we go. Go time. And I never wanted to make him do anything he didn't want to do. So has he ever said that to you? Has he ever said, Amanda, that crosses a line? I, I can't do that. Um, I don't think so. If there was, there might have been once where I was like, you should do a ton of shots on St. Patrick's Day. And he's like, no. But I, you know, I respect that. And that was a stupid idea anyway. But I feel like. Because Jesse is introverted as well, mm. and I feel like that I, I relate to him so much, and that I never want to put him in an uncomfortable situation. Again, I've done, I've done this with so many. I think you know I was having so many different co-hosts and being part of so many different kinds of shows that you you know how to like work with somebody in a give and take, and what what makes a show work well, and right. having a good dynamic on and off the air. I'm like, I never want to put you in a situation where you're being forced to do something you don't want to do. Like you tell me if you don't want to do it, it's not going to be good radio. If you're hating it the whole time, like that's not the point. The point is to just have fun and try something different. And so, you know, we, we had that understanding very early on where I'm like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just say no because it's your comfort zone to say no. But if you feel like it's going to move you forward, 
then you should say yes. But, and you know, I would never be like, hey, jump out of a plane naked because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to do that to me and I wouldn't do that to him. So Has he ever asked you to do something you don't want to do? Uh, no. I'm usually open for everything. I think that's his frustration is yeah. that there's like no. He like, can't really throw you. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that I'm pretty much up for ever, even the diving board thing was my idea. So yeah. I'm like, I'm torturing myself at that point. So um, it's hard to like, you know, where he'll be like, I'm going to make you eat this disgusting bug. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I feel like it's a frustration on his end that I'm like, I'll try whatever. But I feel like, um, you know, for him, it was, it's, it was really fun for me. And it still is to kind of like watch him like grow and do all these things that he didn't think that he could do. But now, you know, he thought like he never went on a solo vacation, but I'm like, I think solo vacations are the jam, man. You can do whatever you want. You're not under anybody else's obligation. Like, I think you should at least go on once and try it out. And he loved it. And I paid for half of it. But. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cause we had a bet. I told him that I, I would pay for half of it. If he let me send him wherever I want. Oh really? That was the deal. Where did you send him? I sent him to Albuquerque. No, because uh, I felt Albuquerque was random enough, yeah, and he'd never really been out west. How was that? Did he enjoy it? Yeah, he loved it. He That's actually great. wants to go back. Wow! So I thought that was you uh, created a monster, right? Yeah, um, that I knew he loved traveling, but he only traveled to like the same two places. Well, three. He would always go to Texas, Iowa, where he's from. Or Disney World. What's his situation? Is he uh, married? Does he have kids? No, he is not married. No kids. Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, he is dating someone, not yeah. officially a girlfriend. Fairly new relationship? Yeah, three months in. So, so yeah, she's going to have to learn to understand that he is kind of in a relationship with, you know, I hate to use the term work wife, yeah, yeah. work partner, but. The radio yeah. is so different. I mean, as you know. There's so much of your personal, you're in each other's personal lives to a degree. You're living out your yeah. personal life on the mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that um, uh, with a lot because I've been, most of my co-hosts have been dudes. It's been like Blank and Amanda forever. Yeah. And uh, there's been a couple team shows I was on and um, where it was two guys and two girls. I was one of the girls. And like, to watch them date and try to go through relationships, especially when you, as you understand on a morning show, you're thrown into all sorts of wacky situations, which right. we would throw people into uh, to watch their relationships kind of explode over stuff like that. Yeah. It's horrible. Cause it's not for everybody. We chose this business. We want to be here. We're cool with those sorts of things. And you know, um, you hope the people in your life are cool with those things. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's hard when you're trying to date and trying to find those people of like, I'm going to talk about this in our relationship to the public. Right. And, and you know, and they can say they're okay with it until they hear it or you do something where they're like, I was okay with this, but I'm not okay with this. And then it, it starts a huge fight and eruption in that life, which then comes to work and then it comes to all the co-hosts and everybody else and then. You know, it's like you're all affecting each other's lives and you want the best for them, but you also want the best for your show. And it's such a weird, tangle, strange work relationship to be in. And so I can think of uh, one relationship in particular on a show I was on where he started dating somebody. Everybody else. This is when we was a four player show. There's four of us. And uh, the rest of us were kind of like, we well, you know, don't know about this chick. And he's like, no, she's, oh, my God, she's amazing. She's the love of my life. It's great. And we're like. Do your thing, but eh, we'll see. So she wasn't cool with a lot of stuff that happened on the air. There was a lot of fights. There was a lot of him leaving the studio to go deal with it in another room. And it was a lot of fighting with us because of all this. And it ended up turning out 
he left the show one day like mid show because he's like kicked her out of his house and like while she was at work and like rented a u-haul and had the only time he could get it was in the middle of the show left the show to go like take his u-haul to her house and move all her crap out and like like, oh my god it was so much drama what a great radio show right like right (laughs) i mean but we didn't talk about most of this on the air because he's like and then you, you can, get in, you couldn't talk about it. No. And yeah. then you get into the point of like, I don't want to look like a bad guy, even though I'm kind of doing a bad guy thing. And you're worried about yeah. your image. And, and it changes oh, the show oh, and yeah. not for the better. Yeah. So it's like, there's so many different weird dynamics. I mean, just between a whole room of people, as you know, you got a whole room of people on your morning show, the dynamic between you. And then when you throw outside relationships into the mix of like, I mean, it could be crazy. Is there anything that you wish people knew about you that most people don't know about you? Oh, God. Well, that's a good question. And I promise that'll be the last one. In the <laughs> um, I guess that, yeah, that I feel like, I guess that we, we've, we discussed earlier is that like sometimes if I seem really quiet or standoffish, it's not because... I don't like you or I'm being a diva or anything like that of like, really it just like gives me anxiety and I don't know what to say. Um, I guess I wish more people kind of knew that because I mean, it's, it's hard to read a person, especially if they only know you because of your, you know, specifically being on the radio, your on air presence. Right. And then to like, if they saw me somewhere and I was just like basically backed into a corner, not talking to anybody like, Oh my God, I finally, met amanda from b105 and she was like a total b and she didn't talk to anybody of like she oh my seemed God. kind of standoffish yeah sort of, yeah i'm like i never want to come off that way like i never want to i just like you would never intentionally come no. off that way but if but if you do come off that way please understand that you don't mean it yeah exactly <laughs> it's just like i'm probably just like i don't know what to say and i'm right there like, with you and it stresses me out like even like doing like stage announcements to go like announce a band coming on oh god that stresses me out so bad yeah um, but I did improv for years, so I could go up on a stage and just act like a total idiot. Isn't that funny? Yeah, but because like, but the, the, you're in a character, you're not yeah. playing yourself; you're playing somebody that's else. True. When yeah. you got to play yourself, isn't that the toughest role to play? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. When there's no mic in front of you. Yeah, I well, I feel like the stage announcement thing is. I feel like I feel like I'm a in somebody's way. Like they're there to see a concert, and they're like, I didn't come here to see this DJ come yak at me for a minute about whatever contest is going the right. So that's an anxiety I put on myself of like, they don't want to see me. I'm in here. I'm, I'm interrupting their time. And, and then that's, then it makes me freaked out um, about stuff like that, which, you know, it's so strange how things like that don't bother me. Cause it was not necessarily public speaking, obviously, cause I could go, cause I, I'm a spokesperson for um, go red for the American heart association. And I spoke to a lot of um, the all girls schools in Cincinnati and I can go up there and talk to them all about like my weight loss journey and being healthy and body confident and stuff like that. And I could totally fine on stage. But if I had to go like, Luke, this is Luke Bryan. And then I'm like, for some reason that freaks me out. It's so, it's so weird how the mind works. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, the, the, the anxiety, anxiousness, introvertness, I guess um, I wish people would know. So in case they ever run into me and I, I seem like I don't want to talk. I'll totally talk. I just, I probably won't approach people first. So I guess that. That's all I got. That's it. Amanda Valentine. Follow her on Instagram. You can pound this. Yep. And my podcast is pound this. Uh, And then my blog is at B105.com. Amanda Valentine. Thank you. Thank you. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. And if you found Amanda Valentine as interesting as we did, 
Send us an email to POI at WKRQ.com. We always welcome your thoughts. And truth be told, I could have sat there another hour with her. There were so many places we could have gone, but it was fast approaching 3 o'clock, the time that she normally goes on the air, and we had to wrap it up. So maybe there will be a part two in the near future. By the way, feel free to make a suggestion for a future person of interest. The plan is we're going to keep on producing these episodes as long as people continue to listen. So be sure to check back with us and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas.